Welcome to your Sunday Reader. Today we'll be discussing the readings for the fourth Sunday of Easter, 2010. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Paul and Barnabas continued on from Perga and reached Antioch in Pisidia. On the Sabbath day, they entered the synagogue and took their seats. Many Jews and worshipers who were converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who spoke to them and urged them to remain faithful to the grace of God. On the following Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and with violent abuse contradicted what Paul said. Both Paul and Barnabas both spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. But since you rejected it and condemned yourselves as unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may be an instrument of salvation to the ends of the earth. The Gentiles were delighted when they heard this, and glorified the word of the Lord. All who were destined for eternal life came to believe, and the word of the Lord continued to spread through the whole region. The Jews, however, incited the women of prominence who were worshippers. Welcome to your Sunday reader. The Today we'll be discussing the readings for the fourth Sunday of Easter, against 2010, and expelled them from their territory. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went into Iconium. The disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are his people, the sheep of his flock. We are his people, the sheep of his flock. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful song. We are his people, the sheep of his flock. Know that the Lord is God. He made us, his we are, his people, the flock he tends. We are his people, the sheep of his flock. The Lord is good. His kindness endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. We are his people, the sheep of his flock. A reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, had a vision of a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation, race, people, and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. Then one of the elders said to me, These are the ones who have survived the time of great distress. They have washed their robes. They have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they stand before God's throne and worship him day and night in his temple. The one who sits on the throne will shelter them. They will not hunger or thirst any more, nor will the sun or any heat strike them. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd it and lead them to the springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can take them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to your Sunday Reader. I'm Father Brian and I'm here today with Dawn. I'm back, I'm back. <laughs> and live and everything. And Dawn, last time we spoke to you was before you made a trip out of the country. Yes, I took some young adults to Ecuador, to Quito, Ecuador in uh, mid-March. It was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And uh, what types of things were you therefore doing out there? Well, we were working. I assume it wasn't just a uh, vacation and a cruise ship or oh, something. Oh, trust me. No, there was not <laughs> any sort of that. We were working with a Jesuit organization called the Working Boy Center, and they run a school for families. Um, they have about 2,000 people every day they feed three meals a day to. They educate the entire family and help them make improvements in their lives. It's a phenomenal organization. It's just how I was saying the other day, really, this is a Holy Spirit led um, concept because no one could sit down and say, oh, I think we should do this. And so it was great, but um, definitely wasn't a, you know, a vacation because, mm-hmm. well, like one day I ended up, we were at somebody's house and they gave us soup and I had a chicken head in my soup. I mean, there were <laughs> things that were scary. And then another day, our our bus broke down on the side of this mountain, and Quito is in the Andes Mountains, so it, it's really okay. a mountain. And so, yep. so there are all sorts of things that happen, but, I mean, it was just a great experience for me, but also for the kids that we took along. And, you know, this Sunday we're talking about sheep, and it can be... Um, when you see it, Quito has three million people in it, and there's utter poverty and you know we made home visits and you think for a while you think god why do you let this happen and you've abandoned them but if you talk to the people there they don't feel abandoned i mean they have more joy than any of us do that have so many things so it reminded me this morning when i was thinking about it that the people in keto and the people where i am in canandaigua they're all god's sheep and so uh-huh. i just got to think about that and like the disciples, you talked about that, you used that word joy, and the first reading, of course, talks about the disciples being filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that personally you prefer them to use dawn and not joy, but... Uh, for only for detergent or soap. That's right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I got to but, thinking about that first reading that's sort of intense. I mean... We've been hearing about the disciples after the resurrection, you know, how they're all happy and going around, and then here they are, they're being kicked out of a town, and mm-hmm. and it's sort of, uh, you know, you get to thinking about being a disciple isn't always easy, and and we're called to follow Jesus as a disciple, and he's the good shepherd, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be happy, happy, joy, joy. There's, you know, lots of suffering and rejection that we go through, but we're never alone amidst that and so I also got to thinking about you know we had the reading last week about feed my sheep and here Jesus is saying I know my sheep Uh, what can you tell us or can you connect those for us Yes, Dawn, I'm glad you asked that. Actually, um, I think there are some some natural connections right there as you're talking about. Um, Of course, as the apostles, you know, Peter was clearly called to feed the sheep, and so are we, to uh, take care of God's people. And who are God's people? I mean, ultimately, we learn from the gospel that God's people are everyone. There's nobody who's not God's people, and we're called to to feed them. And Jesus here talks about, you know, I know them, and they follow me. 
um, I give them eternal life, um, they shall never perish. And one of the things that I think can be comforting is last week we had this challenge of feed my sheep, uh, you know, tend my flock, take care of these people, basically. And that's, that's our job mm -hmm. as Christians is to take care of one another, to take care of God's people. And like you said, it can be, it sounds exciting at first, but then it gets to this point where it's overwhelming. I mean, how can we care for the entire world, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's the command right there. I think what's where we get the solace in this reading right here is from that next part of that reading where it says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can take them out of the father's hands. So there's this sense of comfort knowing that we're supposed to take care of them. Okay. But at the end of the day, we know that they're in the hands of God. They're in the hands of the Father, mm -hmm. and no one can take them out. So we can't mess this thing up. <laughs> that That's, I think, the, the comforting thing yeah, for us as really, Christians yeah. is, is we're not going to mess this whole thing up. You know, At the end of the day, we know that we're not going to be able to do everything perfectly or anything, but we also know we're not going to break salvation for the world. You know, We're not going to be the ones who bring an end to that <laughs> or something like that. And so that, that's kind of comforting to know that we're not going to be the ones who are able to tear somebody away from God um, because they're in the hands of God and God is greater than anything we could, any mistake we can make, God is greater than it and can fix that and can take care of his sheep. Um, you know, he wants us to, to care for them, certainly, but it should give us this freedom to actually, you know, do some creative stuff too because we know that if we mess it up we're not taking the, the whole ship isn't going to sink you know so we can take some risks in our in our lives doing that and that that's got to be a great comfort for us um, knowing that you know we don't have to feel pigeonholed by this or so nervous um you know what comes to mind for me is the parable of the talents where the one person is so nervous because there's a demanding master that he buries the talent you know no no god's got everything under control go out and you know if the stock market crashes on you or something like that and you mess everything you know god's still there and will take care of it so you know he'll be there to clean up whatever mess we make so we should be creative in our approach and try new ways to reach out and to care for people i mean again we've got to be doing things that are caring for people i'm not saying go out and sin here i'm saying but do things that are caring and be creative in that and try new things um to help um, bring people to god and sometimes that can seem scary one of the other things um oh i'm sorry did you want to say something well no when you were just thinking of saying that i was thinking it also gives me the freedom to say it's not only my responsibility i mean i might think i need to fix this person or fix their problems but and you know bring them back to church and it's only my job but it's not you know i can provide the invitation and i can do what i can but ultimately it's god's problem um it's not that it's not mine but i can um, try and feed the sheep and tend them but they're they live i can't even talk today <laughs> but they're under the care of God. And so he can bring other people in. He can do lots of things. So anyhow. Right. Yeah. And that's important that when we were at priest convocation last week, which is a big meeting with all the priests and the pastoral leaders of the diocese. Mm -hmm. And when we were there, um, a priest, Father Ronald Rollheiser, who's a well-known spiritual author, um, gave a kind of a challenge to the priests there. And he, he framed it in this context of an experience he had with another priest who was talking about the fact that, you know, he'd been before a good priest, but he wasn't a great priest. And he had this kind of conversion moment where he became a great priest. And to boil down like, you know, a couple days worth of talks into a couple <laughs> sentences here, um, 
I, I think this also applies to us as Christians. And the distinction being made was that when you're a good Christian or when you're a good priest or, you know, a good whatever, you do everything in your power to bring people to God. So you're, you're doing everything you can to bring people to God and to really live out this gospel. But to become a great Christian, what you have to do is realize that there's nothing in my power. Everything is God's right. power. And it's, it's all God. And it's not me. Mm-hmm. That's where you become a great Christian. Because it's God who's in charge of everything. And you're not trying to do anything out of your own power. You're depending on God for everything you do. And there is a distinction. I think we do go through these phases, too. And I think at times, you know, admittedly, at least I can say there are times when I do both. You know, there are times when I've had experiences in my life where I've really sense that this is God working through me. This is not me doing any of this. There's been other times when I can admit to um, having my own pride or arrogance or whatever get in the way and say, you know, oh, this is a great idea I had to come up with a podcast uh, (laughs) for everybody at uh, St. Mary and Canandaigua or something like that, you know, Um, and you start to pat yourself on the back. Well, you know, certainly there's good in that and you're doing good, but you're not doing great until you can realize that it is God who's working through all of this. And I think, you know, like we were saying here, it gives tremendous freedom too, because when you realize that it's God working or when you realize that you don't have to do anything, you don't have the power to do anything, you're powerless. And it all be, it all falls on God. It's kind of this whole burden is taken off of you. You know, the, the responsibility is taken off of you. It's not your responsibility anymore. It's now it's, you know, how is God using me. It, it has nothing to do with me anymore. And it has, it has everything to do with God. And can I let God use me as an instrument of his grace? And so I think that's really, um, you know, a real powerful thing. And it, and it really frees us and then allows us to go out and do these things. And I think it allows us to handle the suffering that we experience back from back to oh, that right, first yeah. reading um, as well is because we realize that, you know, whatever criticisms or anything, you know, they're not aimed at me personally. They're aimed at other things and, you know, whatnot. But God's going to work through this. God will take care of it. Um, and God can handle himself. He, you know, he doesn't need me to protect him. <laughs> you know, you know? Um, and, and God can handle these people and bring them to him. Um, and he can hear their criticisms or hear, you know, the cry of the poor or any of that. Um, and he can also... And the sufferings that, that I experience and the difficulties, I can do it because it's God who strengthens me to do it. I, I couldn't do it if it was my own work. Right. You know, my own work, I'd say, you know, forget this. Who needs this? You know, uh, who wants to be persecuted? I'm not only am I going to, you know, shake the dust from my feet, but I'm just going to go find a new job altogether. Exactly. You know? <laughs> but, but with God, everything can be done. There are times I have to admit that I think going to work at Wegmans would be a lot easier in my life. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Where my toughest question is paper or plastic. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But or so you think. I mean, I'm sure people who <laughs> oh, work there can yeah, tell yeah, you that yeah, they yeah. face some. Other you know, tough the grass life. is always greener, and we are <laughs> yes, sheep. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> That is very true. Well, Don, we're coming to the end of our podcast here, and I'm glad that we were able to get together again on a podcast. Yes. It seems like it's been a while. Uh, hopefully people will join us next week on your Sunday Reader. Have a good week. God bless. <laughs>